Welcome to Bizval, where we make business valuations simple. It's a party in the front and business at the back. With a set of straightforward questions for you to answer, our clever algorithm runs the numbers and dishes out an approximate valuation of your business. We don't claim that every valuation is a perfect answer, but in practice, valuations are both an art and a science anyway. And we know that because our team has years of experience in investment banking and valuations. What we do know is that we are making professional valuation methodologies accessible for entrepreneurs at an absolute fraction of the cost of hiring professional services firms. Our 80-20 approach means that an 80% accurate valuation can be achieved with 20% of all the potential inputs, making this a powerful tool for entrepreneurs and for accounting firms looking to service their clients with something a little bit different and perhaps a little bit more interesting than just the annual financial statements. The Bitval podcast is our way of introducing ourselves to you and explaining why we are doing this. We will also be discussing some of the intricacies of the model, which manages to be simple yet advanced at the same time. We also hope to bring you plenty of practical insights to help you create value in your business. From me, the finance ghost, welcome to Bizval. Welcome to the third episode of the Bizval podcast. And in the first two, you got to know the team behind this business. That's me, the finance ghost, and then my partners, Howard Blake and Graham Stephen. And in the second episode, we talked quite a bit about the technical stuff sitting behind the model, why we are so proud of it, actually, and how we believe we've taken something that is very complicated and we've managed to distill it into a model that really any entrepreneur can use and actually get a great quality answer. And that's based on our years, genuinely years of experience in not just building these models, but also in dealing with entrepreneurs who are either selling their businesses, buying a business, raising capital, just managing their businesses. And that's what we're going to do in this third episode is actually talk about how these valuations are tools for something else. They are a means to an end. Now that end might be some kind of transaction where you know you're bringing in a new shareholder or you are becoming a new shareholder in a business or whatever the case may be perhaps two entities merging and on the other hand it's something that you can use as a scoreboard to kind of measure your efforts against i mean we were we were joking before we started this to say you know there is another point which is if you simply just want to be able to tell people around the braai if you're listening to this in south africa or perhaps the barbecue elsewhere you know what your business is worth not sure that's a great reason to be getting one but we won't chase you away if that's the main reason you're looking for this valuation so i think howard maybe starting with you i mean you've you've been doing this for longer than we have i mean you've bought and sold companies you've done these sort of transactions in your experience getting that valuation done and, and then dealing with it afterwards has historically been quite a pain point hasn't it it has uh ghost i think the painful part about it is that when your business gets to a certain point people will always want to gravitate to the big four accounting practices to go and uh, get a valuation done it's i think a lot of it really is around the bigger corporates wanting to feel comfortable about their service provider and being able to go to a board meeting and say we got the best people to do the valuation and therefore it's very accurate. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in between those stages, there's a lot of need for valuations to be done and they are very painful. I mean, you made the point earlier, type it into the web and see what comes back at you. Good luck for the next hour and a headache trying to unravel the mess and, and work out how to do it and empower yourself to the point. And, and then what about just choosing the valuation methodology? It, it's, it's complex. So this product is born out of that pain that I had, and it's born out of the frustration. And then having a look at what you get back and realizing that there, there were other options 
that your boss being never exploited. So it's a critical tool, and I, th- and I think we were chatting about it earlier. We must never underestimate the extent to which this process empowers a business person, empowers them to understand the value of what they are building, what they have created, and what the future value could be. And that means access to capital. That might be a, a merger or an acquisition it might suddenly give you the realization that your balance sheet's not that bad and you could actually go out and buy up other similar companies and grow the value of your business or put your product on the market. And that's that's the power of this tool. I mean, you could even go and put in metrics that are targets that you want to go and acquire and put metrics in that would fit the nature of that acquisition to see what that value would come out and what kind of a range you're playing in. I think it's as this launches and, and as we go along, there's going to be so many applications we haven't thought of. I think that, that's an entrepreneur journey, isn't it? There's a start point, but it's never where you finish. And the journey goes off at 90 degrees in either direction, and but you're still on the journey. It's like right? a story in a classic car. Exactly. exactly the yes, same. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, maybe just to add to that as well is that you know, there's also a particular use case here for accounting firms. And I say the smaller accounting firms, you know, in one, as you spoke about, Howard, when you are the owner or the entrepreneur or the business person wanting to understand your valuation for a bunch of reasons, but also equally, if you're, if you're a small accounting practice and you want to be able to have conversations and value-add conversations with your clients, it's really empowering to sit down with your clients and say, hey, look, here's your, here's your income statement, but here's your value statement. It changes the nature of that conversation from one of being, I'm doing your bookkeeping, your tax and your VAT to one of, okay, I'm a partner of yours and let's figure out how we increase the value of your business together. So I think that's also something that is really important in how you can potentially use this tool for accounting practice owners. Yeah, one is compliance and one is value at the end of the day, which is what we all want to build. An accounting language is not that easy to understand, but if someone says to you, hey, you know what, you've created a business and it's now worth 10 million rand, that's a language that anyone can understand and it feels like you've now built something of value and I think it's, you know, we've all been there, it's those very late nights, it's the pressure it puts on yourself, on your family, and many times where you ask yourself what on earth you are busy doing and sometimes just finding out that actually what you're doing is genuinely creating a legacy you know, maybe you're the first in your family who's done anything like this. I think oftentimes you are. And actually, you'll be the person who who changes the stars of, you know, your kids and their kids and possibly their kids too, depending on what you build. And I think that's that's an incredibly powerful validation for a really hard process. Ghost, I also, also think it's the same as we set out on a journey in a boat and, we, and we've got no navigation instruments whatsoever. We're just going to have an, <laughs> we're going to have an, a really exciting time, which will invariably happen. But here we're giving you like the GPS or SatNav that allows you to navigate safely and securely and understand the coordinates and the things that you have to do along the way to build the ultimate value proposition that you could later take to market or serve as an inheritance or put some succession into whatever your strategic objective is. And I don't know of any other services like this that we've created where you get this navigational tool that allows you to set sail in your business and actually go down a navigated path as opposed to an anecdotal, wow, you know, it was a good month. Why was it a good month? Oh, but let me go and analyze. And I think that you, can't, you can't ever put a value to that. It's huge. It's huge in the sense that people start to appreciate what they're engaging with and what they're building and where they're going with it. And there's a beacon that tells you it's worth that. This is where you've got. This is where you are. 
So let me use another analogy. Uh, I'm sure as for those of you who've listened to some of the other episodes, by now you, you know that I like to use analogies. But you know, if you're on a weight loss journey, for argument's sake, it's not that helpful to weigh yourself on the scale every morning. It might be a habit that you get into. But you know, if you embark on a weight loss journey and after 12 weeks, you, you know, at the beginning of the 12 weeks, you get onto the scale and you see flip by weigh 80 kilograms. And 12 weeks later, you get on and you weigh 75 kilograms. I mean, that's, that's, that's motivating. Um, you know, so I think also the context of this tool is to use it appropriately. You know, it's not meant to be that daily check-in, but it's certainly something you know, as a motivator to say, hey, let me check in again in six months' time or 12 months' time or three months' time, whatever, whatever your, um, you know, the rhythm of your business dictates. If you still weigh 80 kilos at the end of that period, then all you lost is the time as opposed to the weight. And you need to know that too, genuinely, because if you're just <laughs> doing the wrong stuff in your business, if you're not creating value... You know, it's all good and well if your revenue is growing but the profits aren't or your revenue is growing but your balance sheet for some reason has deteriorated or your customers have become more concentrated or, you know, sometimes the market moves against you and obviously the model takes into account the broader market. It's not as severe as being a listed company where there's an observable share price that is moved around by traders and sometimes kicked around by 10%, which may or may not reflect the actual underlying. It's not like that. But broader macroeconomic considerations are certainly taken into account. And those are out of your control. But what is in your control is your business, the way you're managing it, you know, the numbers that are coming out at the end of this. So this concept of managing for value, creating this scorecard approach is important. But so is the education around it. It doesn't help if you then don't understand how to get it from that point to the next point. And once you've got that valuation in your hand, maybe it's a conversation you have with an advisor or maybe it's a conversation you have with a mentor or maybe it's something you upskill yourself on, you know, and it's certainly the type of educational content that we're looking to produce and put out there. In the second episode of this podcast, we talked about ways to improve the value of your business. So it's a tool for growth. Absolutely. I think maybe just something else to touch on, and, and we haven't explicitly said so, but you could go and do evaluation and you could get a negative number coming out of this as well. You're investing all your time and your energy and your baby and you, you, you plug in evaluation and you see that's actually negative, you know, so you've actually lost value. That doesn't mean to say that you're not actually building something worthwhile. And, you know, maybe Ghost, you want to just talk about that a little bit because, you know, we, we do have instances where you do evaluation and the business is negative. You know, that should hopefully kick you into action around a bunch of things and ask, to, ask the questions as to why is it negative and what can I do to change it? Yeah, so there's a few ways it might be negative. So obviously you can't get a negative value if you are at least making positive cash flows. So you know, if the next five years cash flows are positive, no matter how high the discount rate is, you're still going to end up with a positive number. So a negative number is particularly extreme, but it can happen. And the way it would happen is if you are, you know, losing cash today and you're perhaps, you know, expecting to lose for the next couple of years, and then only will it go positive, but not by much. By the time you've applied the discount rate to that to take into account the risk, because a riskier cash flow in future, you'll use a higher discount rate. So the value of it today becomes lower. That can then give you a negative number. And unfortunately, it's a horrible, horrible thing to see, but it's not wrong. And what we've done in the model is, you know, we take into account the net assets you have on your balance sheet, because, you know, even if the business is not doing that well, chances are you own some assets and hopefully they're worth more than what you owe the bank. Otherwise, unfortunately, the negatives are everywhere. And the sad truth, there's no point in, in you know, sugarcoating this. I mean, businesses do go under. This happens. It's horrible. It's awful. No one ever wants to see it happen, but it happens. 
And sometimes uh, realizing that you have a problem is actually half the battle won, actually. And it can also identify other areas where there are issues. You know, if the answer comes back much lower than you were expecting, then we would welcome you to reach out and say, look, you know, this has actually come out vastly lower than I thought. Won't you just have a look at the inputs? Now, obviously, you know, we can't offer a full consulting service for each and every client and based on what you've paid for this, for this tool. But we also need to learn about the model out there in the wild. So in that scenario, we would take the inputs, go and have a look. We might find, for example, that your working capital is deteriorating so badly and you're just not, you know, your margins are not keeping up with your revenue growth. And actually you have a scenario where, sure, by year five, you might be very profitable, but actually you can't do it off today's balance sheet. You're going to run out of money. And in that scenario, you then need to bring in other investors and that will dilute you down and actually your business isn't worth what you thought it was. So sometimes the answer is painful. Sometimes the answer is a very pleasant surprise. I mean, Graham, we've talked about this before. You know, you have clients where they are actually quite surprised at how much their business is worth. They thought it was a lot less. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think um, just to bring out the point that Howard made earlier, it's about empowerment. Often those guys who are surprised at how much their business are worth, often those are the hardest workers. They're the guys who sunk their, their heart and soul into the business. They intuitively know what the right things are to do in the business and run the business, and they know how to make money. But they don't always think sort of long-term value that I'm creating. And for those guys, this is really, really empowering and liberating because they think, oh, flip, actually – this is what I've built. Um, and sometimes it changes their mindset because then they think, okay, well, if I've built this, how do I make sure that this goes beyond me? Uh, and we spoke earlier about succession and creating that legacy. Um, and sometimes it also might be people who are getting to a stage in life where, you know, you've been in the business for 20, 30 years and you're thinking about slowing down, you know, maybe taking on a role as a, uh, I'll use corporate words, as an executive chairman of the company rather than being the face of the company. And then that allows you to go and have conversations with people who say, hey, actually, maybe come in as a partner. Uh, I reduce my shareholding and you know, I take a, I, I take a sort of more backseat role in the business. Um, you know, so it allows you to make all those strategic choices as a, as a business owner. Um, and that's where I think this is really, really powerful. I'd also like to make a final point on the negative valuation side. It could be the greatest favor you've ever been done. Because often we work hard and we trade hard not realizing that we might be in, a, in an environment that's against us and we're not doing the sanity check. And this could be like a defibrillator in a way that helps you, shocks you back into reality and allows you to take, you know, instead of being defensive about it and defending why the business is where it is, you're saying that's where it is and what steps I'm going to take to repair this. Mm. And yes, maybe I am on the hiding to nowhere and I'm going to land up, it's a race to the bottom if I carry on like this, and sometimes that sanity check, as painful as it might be, Ghost, as you say, it might be your saving grace. Yeah, sometimes tough love. and yeah. uh, But more importantly, tough love with lessons, I think, is the yeah. point, because it's unusual that something is so broken that it's just beyond repair. Chances are good. It's just a case of not seeing the trouble coming down the road. And unfortunately, if you're not historically trained in finance or if you don't have years of experience of actually running these businesses, you think it's all going Brilliantly, and we're actually seeing it happen right now in an environment of rising input costs, supply chain pressures. The orders can come in, and that's great. Now you have to fulfill the orders. Okay, where does the cash come from for that? So now you have a scenario where the profits, you can see it, it's six months out, but you can't get there because you just can't get there with your balance sheet. You just don't have the cash. And if you learn the techniques around that, and again, the valuation tool is not going to specifically tell you 
hey, you have a cash flow problem. But if you start understanding the concepts of managing for value and the impact that cash has on the valuation of your business and you start managing your working capital in a way that creates value, then you're also going to build a far more resilient business, which is going to be able to you know, withstand these kind of economic shocks that we are seeing. And that can be the difference between success and failure. And it can be the difference between creating an exceptionally valuable business and a relatively valuable one, because the businesses that manage their balance sheets properly are the ones that get through a crisis when their competitors don't. And when things turn, suddenly that's a, it's a last man standing scenario. They are now the only business in town that's doing this with a strong balance sheet and away you go. Yeah, businesses aren't 50 years old for no reason. Yes, they would have sailed some very stormy seas. But at the end of the day, the people involved in them had the foresight to manage the cash properly and be able to, to keep the boat afloat even. I mean, you look at this this last two years, how many more black swan? I mean, on, on a percentage basis, I think we're the most black swan events in the shortest space of time um, ever. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's really been a big shakeout for many people. And then there's been knock-on consequences. So it's not just the events, it's then supply chain issues. And because they're disparate events, they have an accumulation of problems that, that, that create severe trading challenges for people. And it doesn't matter who you are, even companies like Ford Motor Corporation struggling at this time to supply and build, and everyone's facing these things. But you know, the, I think, again, the, the, the point that we make here is we're empowering people to understand the value of their business, and we're empowering them to understand what makes up value. And it's not hard to see. When you look at the questions that are asked and the way you answer them, you, you pick it up fairly quickly. Yeah, you talk about the age of a business. I mean, that's one of the questions. So we make adjustments where we ascribe a higher value to a company that's been around longer. And entrepreneurs who have started something recently don't like to hear that. But it's a fact. I've seen this in practice. We've seen this in business. Companies that have stood the test of time, obviously they can still fail. I mean, Kodak is one of the great examples. But often they've proven that they can stand the test of time. They can get through these cycles and they can, they can survive. They can manage the cash. They can do all the stuff that actually goes and creates meaningful long-term value. And another adjustment that we make is related to the sector that you play in. And that's actually linked to the age. So for example, in restaurants, if you're going to fail, you're probably going to fail quickly based on discussions I've had with people in that space and just sort of what you read online. So if you are a restaurant that has been around for a long time, you've kind of become an institution in your neighborhood and that kind of thing, you are worth more than the flash in the pan, if you'll excuse that, <laughs> a terrible pun, a business that's just opened around the corner, something new and exciting and fresh, full every weekend, cool. Let's see in three years' time, is it still full every weekend? So sector and age makes a difference. And some sectors are just more economically attractive than others. I mean, the old jokes about the airline industry creating millionaires out of billionaires are there for a reason, whereas playing in the software as a service space at the moment, for example, is seen by investors as quite lucrative. Yeah, there's so many different uh, sectors with so many different value propositions attached to them. And the beautiful thing in the world we live now is it's changing very quickly in the dynamics of the virtual world and digital and all those good things that are coming along. There's a lot of things coming into the mix now where that affect valuation and the way businesses either adopt them or don't also affects, affects that value. And this digital world lets us bring this valuation tool to you at such an affordable rate using all of the kind of institutional thinking behind it that goes into the deals you actually read about in the newspaper. So again, we encourage you to try out the tool, check it out, get your business valued, plug in some numbers of something you're thinking of buying, or just do this every year. That's actually the best thing you can do. 
is take your numbers every year, plug them in, and actually start tracking the value that you are creating. Because on that 2 a.m. night when the baby won't sleep and your spouse doesn't understand what you're doing, and there you are slaving away at your computer and no one to talk to, sometimes it's good to just remember that in the last year, you built something that's now 30% more valuable than it was a year ago. And whilst that might not help your baby sleep, it'll probably help you sleep two hours later when you eventually head off. So I think that's it from us for these sort of first three episodes of this BizVal podcast to really introduce who we are, the business we've built, and certainly to invite feedback. Again, that's really important to us. So please do reach out and enjoy using the tool.